My name is Sanal Prakash, and this is The Discourse, a series of episodes where I dive into and tackle relevant topics within the school system and the county. In today's episode, I'm joined by a very special guest, Chair Phyllis Randall, the Chair at Large for Loudoun County. And we're going to be talking about a few different issues, some of which include education, families, literacy in Loudoun County, and also a bit about her, her job, how she got to be where she is, and her background. So to give some context here, this is obviously an audio production, so you can't see, but you are African-American descent, and you are the first woman of color to be an elected chair in Virginia, which I think is really amazing. That's making history, and there's a lot to talk about because Loudoun County has some reputation in certain aspects of regarding racial and ethnical minorities and tolerance. And I want to know, because you're now in a, in a a high position in government in Loudoun County. How do you think your race and your ethnicity and your background has affected how you go through your job and how you make decisions in the county? So when you're running for office, that's just not an issue. You talk about things that are important to the people of the county. You talk about transportation. For me, education was the number one issue and continues to be my number one issue. I always say no one sits in office. um, No one sits in traffic as you know, people of color or people who are not of color, of Republicans or Democrats, you just sit in traffic. And so those things are not relevant um, when you're running. Those are not the issues you run on. Now, obviously, because it's, it's, it was a historic moment um, and one that I'm very proud that my county did, you know, I, re- I think about how many people came before me to, who allowed me to have this moment because in, in no space do I believe I did this myself. There are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who paved the path for me to walk on so that I could be in this office. And so it's, it, it's history making and I, and I owe the people who, you know, people of color, women who fought for the right to vote, who fought for us to have um, equal equality in education, I owe them um, a debt of gratitude for, for allowing me to take this position. But having said that, I don't approach this position um, as a, a, a person of color or even a woman. I, I am the chair of the county who happens to be a person of color and who happens to be a woman. And, and obviously I think that you know diversity brings different perspectives, but that's not just diversity of gender or diversity of color. It, you could have a diversity of age, diversity of ability, diversity of experience, um, diversity of culture and background. So whatever diversity you, you might bring to the, to the board, you bring that to the, to the job that you're doing. So diversity brings um, brings different perspectives no matter who you are. Th- I certainly don't approach my position as, oh my gosh, I'm a woman, so I must do this. Or, oh my gosh, I'm African-American, so I must, must do this. The, the issues that, I'm, that I work on uh, or that I even champion, my job is to, to come up here every day and come to this office and do the best I can for every man, woman, girl, or boy in Loudoun County, whether... They voted for me, voted against me, didn't vote at all, no matter their color, culture, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, documentation. It's my job to represent the people of Loudoun County. Um, I want to know, so you obviously championed for education. That's one of your number one priorities in the county. Um, how do you think that the way that students are treated as far as their own backgrounds or sexual orientation, sexual orientation or gender or color, how do you think that the way that they have been treated in specifically in the school system has changed over time if you have seen any well you know i i think there's two things one is how maybe how the school administration and and teachers and such treat them but it's also how do they treat one another 
right? So raising two African-American sons that went, that, you know, finished school through the LCPS school system, there was never a year that my, my sons were not called the N-word in a, in a, you know, in, in an incredibly negative way. And there was a moment when, or a couple of moments when my kids were told things like, gosh, you talk white, or, you know, how can you be taking this honors class, or you're a National Honor Society and kind of a, but that all came from other kids. None of that came from the school system. That all came from other kids. And so, you know, I, I think the first, the first goal is always what's happening in the homes because it is in the homes first where people learn um, to be, um, uh, to have uh, discrimination or have prejudices or have stereotypes. That starts in the house. And by the time a kid gets to, to, to LCPS or any public school system, if, if that's happening, then that's not what the school has done. That's what's happening before. The first time my kid, my son was called the N-word, he was two years old playing at Dallas Town Center and was called that by a child who was probably four years old. So that's not about the school system. But then when we move into the school system, the, the question is, what's the response of the system? And, you know, that that's a that's a different issue because I think that the schools have to be a place where everyone feels um, accepted and respected and I know that that's the position of uh, the LCPS administration. It, it might not always play out that way in every classroom, um, in every moment with every student, but it, uh, it should be, and I do believe it always is the goal of LCPS. Now that's not to say that we don't have places that they could uh, get improve. And I think that comes with communication. So having conversations with people who are of different backgrounds and of different colors and different experiences. Conversations, communications, communication, um, relationships, more than anything else, I believe, is what will, um, what, what helps people push past their stereotypes and push past um, their prejudices. So that is what I hope LCPS tries to create a culture where conversations and relationships can happen. And I think, I think they're, they're not always successful with that, but they're doing a, 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 a much better job than they have been, that, than, than was done before. Um, I want to know what some of your future or long-term goals for the school system are or how you intend. I know you talk about a lot of these problems based, um, within the school system and also within, like, societal pressures, of mm -hmm. course, within the county. Um, what are some of your future goals for that? You know, I truly, truly believe that the tone of a community or a county or a state or a country, whatever, comes from the top. And so my job, uh, before anything else, is to set a tone in Loudoun County. And that means that I am at all times respectful. And, and if I disagree, I do it respectfully. So you can, be disagree, you can disagree and not disparage somebody else um, and not be disagreeable to other people. Um, and, and to set a tone that says, we're going to be an accepting, inclusive county. That does not mean that we won't have um, hard uh, conversations and hopefully courageous conversations but we're going to be a county that, that accepts people and, and that people can feel included. And so if I set that tone from my office, um, I believe then that sets the tone for the county. And I have worked really hard to change the tone and to set the tone in Loudoun County. And, and, I, uh, and I will say I think there's, I've had some success with that. I also want to know, especially in your circumstances as a woman and of color, in your office, there a, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of problems you might have faced with other people. There have been some. 
There have been some. Um, th- there have been uh, people. You know, it's been interesting. I think if any negative interactions I've had um, as as it relates to my demographics has been more as it relates to my gender than my color, to be honest. Um, and the assuming that I I wouldn't know what how to run a meeting or assuming that I wouldn't, you know, and I was just talking to my chief of staff. It's you know, it's the whole. I'll say something, and then one of my male counterparts will literally say the same thing, maybe change two words, and people will look at him and go, gosh, that's a good idea. And I go, wait, wait, I'm pretty sure I just said that. And I don't think, I think that happens to women. It doesn't matter. It just happens to women across the board. And so my response to anyone who would would come at me with any preconceived notions is to change their perception of me by by ensuring that they know that every time I step on that day is I have done my homework, I have studied, I am prepared with with um, knowledge, with questions. And there are times when, you know, I can I can say all I want to, you know, that, you know, I am I and so many other women um, or people of my demographics are worthy of these positions, and we are, you know, just as smart. I can say that all day long, but my, but really, you show it, you know. So I I, I I come into the office every day. I I work very long days. I work very hard, and when I when I step on that day, so when I go into a meeting or when I give a speech, which I do, gosh, I mean, I I speak to an audience three four times a week, easy. But I've done my homework and my research, and I'm ready. And I think just making sure that I am not just prepared but over prepared is what has changed opinions and presumptions about about me and and in doing that maybe changed opinions and presumptions about women and women and people of color in general yeah and i think that goes for all, all women and all sorts yeah. of yeah I agree. and all their jobs and everything that yeah. i think people have to be more aware of actually how hard they work and yeah. what they're doing exactly before they can come in and say opinions about them yeah. without having any actual yeah. facts or actually knowing. Exactly. So it's not just being prepared, it's being over-prepared. Now, having said all that, most people, and I, when I say I mean 85% of the people, really don't don't approach me like that. They approach me as the county chairperson. And I, I don't have to you know go out of my way to prove anything. But with the 15% that do, I, I don't do it by sa- telling them they should change I make sure they see how hard I'm working in this position and how much I care. To women who might be really faced with these big hurdles of people coming at them a lot for their gender or their, even their race, what would you say is the number one thing for them to know or think or how they should go about doing their job? Well, I think every situation is different and every woman has to do with what is comfortable for her. And so I would hesitant, be hesitant to tell everyone what, what they should do because you know, everyone feels different and, and is going to react different. But I would say, you know, don't be surprised, you know, if, if people either um, underestimate you or uh, patronize you or patronize you or, you know, talk. To, don't be surprised because these things happen. And when you when you speak about it or when you talk about talk about it just as much with your actions as, as with your with with your with your voice, but I would also say that you know that what I have learned is that if I have in in uh, something I want to say to somebody because of how they've treated me, I try to do that um, in the back room, not in the front room, because what I've learned is that people don't always want to be called out in front of other people, right? And that's just human nature. So if I have something I want to say, and I have to my colleagues or to people in public, whomever, I, I will do it. But I, I try to do everything in a way that um, ensures the, 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 
that what I'm saying can be hopefully heard. And if people feel threatened by that, then they don't want to hear it. But everyone should feel what to do what they think they should. Now, I also think it's important for young women and women, period, to know that, you know, you have to walk around every day, get up, get up knowing that your voice is, is no less and no more important than everybody else's. And so you have to approach your world like that, that you have the right to be heard. You have the right to your opinions. You have the right to your thoughts. You have the right to your feelings. And go into your world like that and just never let anyone tell you that, that you are not as of equal value to somebody else. So recently, there's a law in Virginia to defer chair. Its uh, title is chairman, mm-hmm. um, and you, <laughs> you very wanted to make that a chairwoman or chair at large um, in general, and they voted against that. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. it's still chairman and. I wanted to know what was your initial response and process of the situation and how you intend to help yeah. that. So upon being elected, the county administrator came to me and said, what would you like to be called? And he said, um, we don't know what to call you. And I said, well, Chair Randall's fine. And then I found out a couple of days later that legally I can't be Chair Randall. Legally, and especially when signing documents, it's legally chairman. And I thought that was silly. And I still think that was silly, but I, I didn't really think much about it. And I mentioned it a couple of times to some of my state representatives. And so this year, my state delegate, David Reed, called me and he said, I'm going to put a bill in to allow people to call themselves one of four things, chairman, chairwoman, chairperson, or chair. So that if you'd like to call yourself legally Chair Randall or legally Chairwoman Randall, you can do that. And I, I was like, oh, great, wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And didn't think of it anymore. And then he called me and let me know that his bill died in subcommittee. So it's a committee called the cities, counties, and towns, and that five men in the General Assembly voted against it. And I, and I was flabbergasted. I said, why? And he said, well, you know, they think that there may be some gender identification issues or something. And I said, I'm a woman, right? And I, I, if I want the option of calling myself chairwoman, I'd like to have that option. And, and I said, you know, it's not that this is a huge deal, and this won't change how I do my job, and this won't, this won't change anything. However, uh, one county over, um, the chairman of that county is named Corey Stewart. If someone walked into Prince William County and told Corey Stewart, you have to, by law, call yourself chairwoman, the world would come apart at the seams because they were telling a man you have to call yourself chairwoman. But it's okay to chair, tell a woman you have to call yourself chairman. So it's not, it, it doesn't impact how I govern or what I will do or how I interact with people. But I do think it's so antiquated and so ridiculous. So what I said was, well, you know, before this wasn't really an issue. I wanted to change, but it wasn't really an issue. But now it's an issue, right? <laughs> now that they told me you, you, I, 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 I have to call myself chairman. This is my election year. I'm going to work very hard to get reelected. And next year, I'll go to the General Assembly myself and, and say, this doesn't make any sense. It is, it is 2019, 2020. It's time to allow women to call themselves what they choose to call themselves. How else would you want to move forward, especially just in, like, in general in the county, to help create more inclusivity within all genders and all races? Yeah. You know, one thing that, that happens when people get elected to office, if there are all these commissions and committees and boards to assign people to, to assign the public to. And I, I was... I was focused on two things when I made those assignments. One, and foremost, making sure the person I put in each and every commission or committee was well qualified for that commission or committee, but also trying to have some diversity on those boards. And again, that meant diversity of race, color, culture, gender, experience, age, ability, um, all, all. So we had, we had like our heritage commission had never had a woman of color on 
the Heritage Commission, which talks about the history of Loudoun County. How's that possible? And it only had one person of color ever on it. Um, so, so I, 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 I set out to find people who were one, well qualified, but two, I thought just as it's important to bring a diversity on the board because diversity of, of a, a diverse person brings a different perspective. It was important to do that in all of our commissions and committees that advise the board. And so I think, the, so I, I think we now have some of the more uh, diverse commissions, committees, and boards in Loudoun County that we've had ever. And that doesn't mean they're diverse enough because they're not, but we at least started that process. And I, and, I, and I will say again, the first goal is to make sure they're well-qualified, but, but there are people who are well-qualified who sit and, you know, who, who will also uh, uh, bring diversity to boards. Yeah, I agree. I think that, as you were saying earlier, it's all about perspective and bringing right. perspective to your job. And that's obviously not going to heavily impact how you do everything like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm a woman or I'm doing right. this because I'm this or this. But it does affect, the, I think, people, especially women or people of gender, uh, different genders and different colors. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit more. They have that kind of self-experience, yeah. and they have a little yeah. bit more. I'll um, give you an example. So we were talking about um, how family leave in Loudoun will work because right now if a woman has a baby, she has to use a, you know, all of her sick time, right, all of her sick leave to be home. And so we were talking about that, and, you know, one of my colleagues were like, well, we give them all the sick time. And, and, and after I heard him talk, I looked at him and I said, but the thing is, being pregnant, you're not sick. And having a baby, you're not sick. So we're making people completely deplete their sick leave because because they are you know perpetuating the human race, right? <laughs> you know, you kind of you know that's not an option if we want to keep going. So the the idea that we make a a woman totally spin down all of her sick leave because she has a child is is something that I think that it's it's a perspective that a man may not really bring. Uh, uh, to the board, and and when I said it, you know, he was like, "Oh, that that's an interesting thought," but but you're not. So when a, when a father becomes a when a man becomes a father, he doesn't have to deplete his sick leave. But when a woman becomes a mother, she has to use all of her sick leave up to stay home with her new baby, and that's 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 not correct to me. That I mean, family leave shouldn't work like that. And and I said to them, and what if what if she has some some needs before the baby's born that she has to take off? So now you don't have as much time on the other side to take care of your new baby because you've used your sick time down. And I just don't think those were conversations that were happening on the board before as much. Yeah. So that's again bringing perspective. Yeah, different perspective. Having being able to make decisions or view things in a different way, I think that's important even with like even with men or even with mm-hmm. women or uh, yeah. other colors. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be continuing our conversation in the next segment of this episode, which will be coming out soon. So make sure you watch out for that. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Sanal. This has been The Discourse, and I'll see you guys next time.